um, yeah, no, we made vlogs. I made vlogs every Monday for like two years of my high school life. Wow. A lot of videos online. A lot of videos online. They're still up? Nope. I privated much of them because there are some things that don't need to be online. And that is an intense documentation of yourself in, at age 16. I wish I could find those videos so I could cyber bully you. Oh my gosh, is this Cyberbully 2011? <laughs> the film that ended all digital drama? Great Idea, a Babysitter's Club podcast. I'm your host, Joy. And I'm Danny. And Great Idea gets its name from Christie's Great Idea, the first book of Anne and Martin's iconic book series, The Babysitter's Club. And also from the fact that everyone thinks their podcast is a great idea, and we hope ours actually is. We'll be diving into all things related to the series, and this is episode six. And I think the first time I actually got that number right in the first try. <laughs> Congratulations, you did it. Thank you. This is what we call growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to be talking about The Truth About Stacy, but the Netflix series episode. So a few notes at the top. We spent a lot of the last episode talking about disability justice and then are realizing and acknowledging that we need to work on our own access. So we're going to be working on getting transcripts out of our episodes and making sure that our content online all has image descriptions and things like that. So if you have any suggestions or input, um, we welcome it. Our email is open. Our DMs are open. You can slide in. Um, <laughs> Danny's laughing at me. And yeah, also continued shout out to everyone who's listening and commenting and yeah, giving your feedback. We appreciate you. We love to have fans. <laughs> we love them. The Leo, my Leo rising and moon are like, yes, <laughs> I do like attention. <laughs> so this episode, I it was cute. It was cute. Yeah, it is. I did some research this time before the episode started, which is new for us. But also, I think that something that's helpful to start with, and again, we're assuming you've seen the show or don't mind spoilers, um, but I appreciated, well, I thought it was interesting that they switched the reveal about Stacey's diabetes to this episode as opposed to the first one, which I think makes sense with like timing and making sure that, um, you know, the episodes aren't too packed for 20 minutes. But um, mm-hmm. I think that they also cut a lot of things, made it a lot more localized, took out the trip to New York, took out the reconciliation with Lane, which again, as we mentioned, happens in episode like 10. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is the point where we like really start departing from the book more. I don't know. I guess that's not true. The first episode, we just talked about how different the Claudia episode was, but. <laughs> true, true. The cyberbullying change is interesting. That twist to Stacy's story in the book she just loses all, I mean, not just, but she loses all of her friends. They, like, <laughs> don't want to be near her or hang out with her anymore. And so she gets pretty depressed and her parents just take her out of New York. But here, there's a video of her having a seizure, right? Or there's a video of her going into insulin shock. And it, it looks similar yeah. to, like, having a seizure. I don't know if that's 
technically what was happening there or not. And the video was circulated amongst apparently all of the private schools in Manhattan, because at some point in the episode, Stacy says, um, even my best friend Lane circulated it and made sure that every private school kid in Manhattan had seen it at least once, which is messed up. But also, wow, I did not realize that the private school network in Manhattan was disconnected. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. Also, so the internet does say that seizures can be a part of like a plummeting blood sugar which is what insulin shock is related to yeah i mean i think that it does a good job of modernizing it you're right i think that it's like a reality in 2020 that if anything happens like it's gonna get amplified by exponentially like (laughs) unlike in the 80s when if something happens like it was you had to see it and then word of mouth like this is like a very obvious and then we see how it's used to try to discredit Stacy later on um so the babysitter's agency in this case passes around the video as retaliation for Stacy telling one of the moms that the kid was essentially neglected during a babysitting job she had her boyfriend inside the bad babysitters quote-unquote that Mm -hmm. don't loiter at the mall like normal teens (laughs) um but instead steal ideas (laughs) um let a kid play outside alone by the street so and Stacey tells, and then they distribute this video. Essentially, it's kind of blackmail as retaliation, which is super gross. Yeah. And they even said, like, I think in the email, it said, like, is this who you want babysitting your children? Which I thought was a really interesting change from the books, because that is, the cyberbullying is kind of like a modernizing thing, but making mm-hmm. Stacey's diabetes a direct obstacle to the adults and the parents' trust in her is new because in the books, mm-hmm. none of the parents or adults ever express like concern about it. Doesn't become a thing about oh, is Stacy a fit babysitter? And so that mm-hmm. was a very new storyline in the show to bring the diabetes into something that would make parents question that. So, how did you feel about that scene? I mean, so. I guess kind of backing up, I can talk about like what I was looking at. So before this, I was curious about how kind of this idea of like stigmatization of diabetes still holds up, given that we are in a world where I think you and I both, when we read it, were like, doesn't seem like that big of a deal. But the 2017 study by the American Diabetes Association, um, this is the research, but the highest percentage of stigma, which is 83% of parents with kids with type one had like, that was, they like felt like they had the highest perception of stigma against them. And I thought that was really interesting because it was like talking about how they felt like it was, they were the, like, it was their fault, like they were causing it. And then type one diabetes also has a higher stigma than um, type two, um, because it's a little bit, it's less common and it's less understood, I think. But also one of the things I was looking at does cite what you were saying about last episode about like it being higher even for folks who are poor or fat or probably not white. <laughs> That's me hypothesizing, but like all of these other intersections of marginalization. So I thought, and then like one in six working class adults with diabetes felt discriminated according to a UK study. So by like their employers, but I was reading a lot of things about kids that being translated to kids with like the lack of knowledge and like a lot of things like Stacy's story in New York where they are discriminated against or like they don't 
they don't want to treat it because or even if they have access to potential treatment or like things that will help them manage they don't always want to do it because sometimes it involves like leaving their friends like to go give themselves a shot means going you know like having to take medication in front of people or all these things that like might out them as being different so i thought that that was interesting and so i think remains cool that like it is a representation of that someone dm'd us a question someone said do you think diabetes was a big deal in the book one because it was the 80s and i forgot to research that but i think it's interesting that it holds up anyways what i think about (laughs) did any of the research mention why or how does type how do type 1 and type 2 diabetes look differently in terms of someone's day-to-day life like it's Mm. like why would the stigma be different is it that in one of them you don't have to do those like day-to-day things of maybe stepping out to give yourself a shot it seems like i feel the need to qualify that i'm looking at this study and it seems like nine like 92 percent and 85 percent of the people surveyed are white so i think that we can say that this is maybe relevant to Stacy's case, <laughs> but um, I should have looked at this before I cited it. Um, not saying that it's not accurate, just saying that it is not a demographic that is highly representative. <laughs> yeah, I did like the touch of in this episode when Stacy tells them about the diabetes, all of the girls name someone who they know. Well, okay, actually, Marianne Marianne said Halle Berry, who she does not personally know. Marianne in this episode is hilarious, I gotta say. So is Christy, but... She says so many random things. I know. Like, at one point, they're like, it's time to do the responsible thing. And Marianne goes, vacuum. (laughs) Um, But anyways, so they, they still each name someone. Like, I think Claudia has a friend a cousin named Erica and Chrissy's mom's friend has it. I like that they kept that spirit of the girls being respectful to like, the significance of diabetes to Stacy and the experience she had with it. But they're still like, oh, it's Stacy's like, oh, how do you even know about that? And Chrissy's like, well, you're not the first person in the world to have diabetes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which is again, like a not tactful Christy, but very sweet and meaning. Like, yeah. <laughs> You could have done that better, probably. Got that better, but you know. Yeah. But it's also like the Christie's like trying to figure out what's wrong. She's like, Stacey, you have to tell us. Like you're hiding something, and she's like, hard drugs. I'm like, Christie, like which I actually <laughs> in the video that gets circulated about Stacy, the comments. Someone I like paused it because I wanted to see what people had commented, and someone commented, "Is she on drugs?" And then another person was like, "Ew, what's wrong with her?" And another person was like, "What a freak!" And it's just. People are mean, man. <laughs> Last time, I feel like I spent a significant amount of time saying middle schoolers are mean. So mean. Also, but the Babyless Agency were also teenagers in high school, which is another difference from the book. Yeah, well, they did have high schoolers, but they were most, they were middle schoolers running the show. Eighth graders. Yeah. But Lacey Lewis looks like definitely a teenager and she's out here bullying yeah. this poor 12-year-old. Bullying kids. <laughs> Cyberbullying. Cyber oh my gosh. I also, I sent this in the chat, but apparently type 1 diabetes have more stigma perceived than type 2, even though type 2 gets like stigmatized with, like we talked about, with poor diet, laziness. But then they said that because type 1 has more public 
like visible monitoring which might be a pump or like testing like blood testing you know it is more visible and then also said that because folks don't know as much about type 1 like it's not understood the difference between type 2 then you also get all the like ideas that like and and they're managed differently between like diet and exercise versus like more strict medication type things so I think that there's confusion there so that's interesting something I'm learning that makes sense I mean not in a justification sort of way but just the way that those factors influence it yeah yeah and then it also says a stigma about the fear of being a burden to the healthcare system and I just want to make a quick plug that says that our healthcare system is broken yeah that's not a plug that's just me saying it's bad I'm mad about it today <laughs> yeah I had to figure out how my health insurance works for work and obviously I'm very grateful to have health insurance through my job but also like yikes to having to be employed to be able to afford being well <laughs> just in case we haven't made it already extremely, extremely obvious. We are not capitalists and we hate capitalism and all of the ways in which it manifests, whether that's babysitting club turf wars or our broken healthcare system. Just saying. I mean, as far as the 80s goes, to try and respond to the person who messaged us, I would imagine that it's one of those things where we're always learning more about different chronic illnesses and so the more research and knowledge and education that there is and the more like awareness also not to minimize the efforts of disability activists and everyone who has to actively work to dispel the stigma around many different chronic illnesses and diseases but I would imagine that things are better now than they might have been in the 80s in terms of understanding around chronic illness. Yeah and I mean I think you can think about all sorts of fears of disease and contagion especially in the 80s. 80s <laughs> in New York oof like yeah you know like I, I can't imagine that that wouldn't have contributed to all of this so yeah although I mean I don't know that diabetes would have been associated with any one community so strongly I mean like we said it probably was stigmatized as a poor fat person disease but yeah not the not the same thing as strongly associating something as the gay cancer which as we know is what HIV and AIDS was considered in the 80s yeah I think no, I think for sure. I guess I'm thinking more in the context of like children mm. who would pick up like bits and pieces of things and like make these assumptions because we already see that that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I remember a kid in like elementary school on the playground being like, don't pick up trash on the ground, you'll get AIDS. And I was like, obviously, that's not how it works. But this kid heard one thing about AIDS contagion, right? In like mm -hmm. 2002 and took these like assumptions and ran with them so honestly people still ask that about can you get aids from a toilet seat yeah and that's just that speaks to our to the state of sex ed in america <laughs> how many institutions can we complain about in one episode we've got healthcare, we've got sex education mm, you know I, I, yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, so I think that they did a good job of updating it. Um, I thought it was super sweet that this episode also had, I think, a little more resolution and agency to Stacy than the book. Her bedazzling her insulin pump is was cute. I love that. And I think also they 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 acknowledge more specifically in the episode about how her mom was like I was doing it to protect you and it, it does feel a lot more sincere and a lot less like really 
intensely messed up than the book felt. I mean, still not okay, obviously, to control and like make your child feel like that. But I appreciated that she was very specifically like, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not like, you know, yeah, ashamed of this. I just saw you get hurt. So I don't want you to get hurt again. I'm like, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. I appreciated that because there really isn't a moment like that in the book of the parents. They acknowledge like, okay, yeah, we should probably let you have more of a say in decisions from now on, but they never really acknowledge anything wrong with their own behavior. So it was nice to see the mom explicitly say that. Like, I was just trying to protect you. I know I've never felt ashamed of you because I think that just makes a huge difference for your kid to hear. Yeah, no, I think for sure interesting to have an episode about a girl who has her insulin pump and has diabetes but there's no mention of what's going on with insulin price gouging which is a very (laughs) hot topic or hot button what's the idiom hot button issue hot button issue yeah Yeah. hot button issue for people with diabetes in our country today when did insulin price gouging start It's been a while now, definitely enough to be relevant in this episode. But again, we find that I don't know where these folks lie. Also, this is the episode where Christy says grimy old Stony Brook. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, you went to New York and your dad's black Porsche? We understand. So we had two big references to class there. But also every time that they're walking through the neighborhood, it just looks so middle class suburbia that I'm like, grimy? I was like, we come from New York and LA. I don't think... (laughs) Christy does not know what grimy is. (laughs) That's also why I love LA. Um, But I I also, though, in the end, when Stacey is feeling really accepted by... So they all confront the parents. Um, We talked briefly. I don't know if we talked on camera or on video. Not video. Audio. On audio about this. But the fact that the only parents that... like You do see that there's parents of color in this episode. But there's still, like, not fully fleshed characters. But in that, after that conversation, when they all, like, kind of come around and the girls are able to advocate for Stacy and Stacey's able to advocate for herself and then also Dr. Johansson, who doesn't obviously have the same relationship as in the book, which is really disappointing. And I know I'm sure you want to talk about that. Um, <laughs> but is, as a doctor, able to be like, I've seen how Stacy like, self-regulates, is very, like, mature, has to be more mature than like most kids her age, which I think is a good acknowledgement of how facing these forms of discrimination force people to grow up faster than other kids. And I thought that was sweet. But then Stacey goes like, oh, like it's a part of a community. So I thought that was interesting that like Stony Brook feels like a community space. Yeah, no, I th- it's, it's a sweet moment. And I think it was meant to be the small town vibe. I think it was meant to get that across. Because now that I think about it, I feel like the yeah. show doesn't actually feel very small town vibes. I don't know if it's just because of the shots that we get of them walking in the neighborhood. We don't get that many of them. I don't know. I just, the books really drive home the point that it's a small town and the show doesn't give me the same vibes. I think that... What I have to compare it to is, like, Gilmore Girls, where in Gilmore Girls, I feel like you're really more introduced to, like, a broad, like, consistent cast. Like, they go to the same, and 
they go to the same few places. They have the same characters that pop in and out across each episode. And it like has that feeling. And I feel with this, you get like a lot of different episodes. You get introduction of new characters. Mm-hmm. And and it's a limited world building because obviously this is a 10 episode short episode arc, not like six seasons. <laughs> um, but I, I think you're right that like there are moments of that small town vibe and there's moments that I'm like, this just feels like the suburbs of some place. Yeah, because suburbs can be pretty large, and also suburbs can feel very disconnected. Mm-hmm. But I think I think the script tries to get in those touches with like the girls will frequently say the same names of certain clients, like the Marshalls and the Pikes, mm-hmm. and so that gets it across. Mm-hmm. But stylistically, the show doesn't have that feel as much as in the books. But yes, I am disappointed that they changed the relationship with Dr. Johansson in the books. Like we just get two brief scenes of her saying goodbye to Stacy and her daughter Charlotte, which also do love that Charlotte is an Asian girl in the show. Really cute. Her and her interracial lesbian moms, we love to see it. And then the scene at the end where she defends Stacy to the rest of the parents and says, I've noticed her managing her symptoms while babysitting Charlotte. Yeah, like you said, I trust that she... She's proven that she's mature, so I fully trust her. But in the book, I mean, last episode... I talked a lot about why that relationship means a lot to me and how I think it's so important to show examples of close relationships of like trusted adult figures who are supportive Mm -hmm. and adult figures that are not your parents. So Mm -hmm. the fact that we don't get that in the show, I'm sure they cut it maybe because of time constraints, which I guess is a little bit understandable, but I feel like you can always find a way to fit in what's important, you know, especially if we're we're gonna fit in like each of the girls' main relationships. Like we get more of this next episode, but like we get Marianne and Mimi's friendship. You know, we get Claudia and her grandmother. We get Christy and her dynamic with Watson. Are you talking about like adult child relations? Yeah. I mean, Dawn has various relationships with like her mom and other folks. We get Dawn and her witch mother aunt. and <laughs> her what? Her witch aunt. Yes, which it's a, it's a departure. We have a lot of feelings about, <laughs> about that move. But, you know, I just think that even, I mean, even Stacy's relationship with her parents doesn't get that many, it doesn't feel as fleshed out as it does in the book. So it's just weird to me as Stacy's relationship with the adults in her life doesn't get as much time. And then with Dr. Johansson, I mean, they made her LGBT, you know? Like, we don't know if she identifies as mm-hmm. lesbian or bisexual. This show is never going to use those words. I already know that. <laughs> But it just feels like, okay, you made it more diverse and then you removed that relationship. So it feels, yeah, you get these moms, you get this like same-sex parenting couple, but we're distancing that couple from one of the main characters. And I just think that that's really disappointing. I feel let down by that. Feels like we couldn't have both. Feels like we couldn't have Stacy have a close relationship with this trusted adult support figure and have that trusted adult figure be a woman who likes women. Yeah. Not at the same time. <laughs> you only choose choose one. It's a choose one multiple choice answer. No, exactly. but I, I think that that's real. It's really real. She feels more like a secondary character you know, rather than a main character. Yeah, I think we've talked about that before in terms of, like, how all the queer characters kind of feel like secondary characters, which is disappointing. Because, again, you're telling me there's five of them and not one of them is queer? Not yet. Hopes for season Season two two. hopes. 
<laughs> if you're out there. <laughs> exactly. Season um, two. And yeah. if we don't get it in season two, season three. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I'm ready. I've already I've already told you this, but like Will Byers and Stranger Things, I got my clown makeup on every single season that comes out. I will watch it waiting for this one thing and every season I will be disappointed. I know this, but I'm going to keep watching. I finally watched season 1 of the of the Stranger Things. I'm so glad. And then I looked up the cast now and the actor that plays Will Byers, I was like that is not the same kid. And it is the same kid. It's just puberty, man. Yeah, like, what? No, Will Byers, like season one, Will Byers is a baby. A baby. baby. So tiny, so small. So sp- yeah, it is disappointing that we don't. Oh, also add that in that Dr. Hansen is black also. So we really couldn't have gotten. You were asking for three things? Three things? That was, right? It would have been so amazing, especially because Stacy like, clearly comes from this like mostly white, mostly wealthy community. Um, and we could have seen her have. To have like, yeah. Or like with the uh, <sighs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like then it could have fallen in the trap of like black woman caregiver tropes. But I think that if it had been handled carefully, it could have been really sweet. Yeah, because it's not like Dr. Johansson ever is doing a ton for Stacy or taking care of her, but she supports her and she helps her deal with the doctor stuff, with the parents. Yeah, just a bummer. Just a bummer. We could have had a cool, close mentorship relationship in this episode with a Black queer woman, and we don't. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're really going to get into some things next episode, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I also want to bring uh, this article by Kristen Lopez that we retweeted, but it's called The Regrettable Persistence of Pretty Portrayals of Childhood Disability. And the author is disabled. And their main critique was that disabled women are given, quote, pretty disabilities. And that while that representation is still good, like to have disabled representation, it's like also just like very limited in its scope. So yeah, I mean... And they're talking about also how 2020 diabetes, like, also it has her being shown as being, like, very, like, at death's door, essentially, is kind of how this person puts it. And, like, they're also saying as someone who, like, is in a wheelchair, has brittle bone disease, like, it's just not really relatable. And they say, that being said, I remain thankful for Stacey McGill. For many able-bodied people, she was the closest they'd ever come to meeting someone with a disability. And while it could lead to some cringeworthy encounters, I was able to educate my friends who thought they were analogous. And for kids growing up with diabetes, she remains a figure they can relate to on screen. But if we want to have and see more serious disabled representation on screen, especially where it regards women, we need to move away from the Stacey McGill model. So I just thought that that was an important point. I appreciate that it was the critique and, which I feel like is a similar kind of thing that we go for in this show. But there's also like other articles like this one I just found with from Robin Benway where it talks about how Stacey's really authentic portrayal of diabetes is helpful and like how she's just living her life and her whole life isn't totally based on her illness. So I think that she's a complicated representation, but it is cool that kids have her yeah for sure i thought the Kristen lopez piece was really interesting and a super valid critique and stacy mcgill is definitely the epitome of taking something that's stigmatized and marginalized and putting it in a pretty package you know (laughs) so she's Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. blonde blue-eyed white girl who comes from money and yeah i mean this is how we feel about kind of like all of our main girls right is that they each like at most have one one marginalized thing about them like they're either not white or they have a disability and if christy if we do end up getting 
lesbian Christy, then, you know, Christy will be a lesbian. But none of them so far have more than one thing going on at once, which is um, not fully reflective of the human experience. Because as we very well know... Danny, I have one identity. (laughs) (laughs) One. Just one. That's it. Do you want to shout out some of your favorite weird one-liners that are in this episode? (laughs) Because there's some good ones. I'm never going to get over the line where, so it's the scene where Stacy's calling out the babysitter's agency girl for stealing their idea. And the girl goes, welcome to the free market. You should try supporting women. When one of us succeed, we all succeed. Unless I put you out of business. Bye. (laughs) Which is, (laughs) oh man, I just love that line. I'm going to point to that line whenever someone is trying to defend liberal feminism to me. I mean, you know, women supporting women, except also, again, we come back to capitalism. We don't support each other. <laughs> I'm getting strong Taylor Swift, Katy Perry feud vibes from 2000. Uh, when was that? I will say, though, that, yeah, it feels really like when people use identity, but like only identity and literally nothing else. <laughs> to talk about something it's like well actually none of us live in a vacuum but what do i know (laughs) nothing probably (laughs) also (laughs) um, (laughs) i can't wait um my favorite is when they find jamie newton on the street and then they go in and the teenage babysitter is sitting on the couch with the head is presumably her boyfriend. And then he, like, raps? <laughs> it's not rapping. He just says a series of things that kind of rhyme until the last one. And then Marianne just goes, that doesn't rhyme, sir. And I yes. shrieked. <laughs> like, Marianne, what? That was so funny. Like, her delivery of that line was perfect oh shout out oh perfection perfection also when stacy panics because she has to leave because her blood sugar is dropping (laughs) and she just says that her dog is round (laughs) she's like i forgot to walk my dog and they're like since when do you have a dog she's like i just got him he's round (laughs) oh so sweet I do love the part where Christy sees her mother's engagement ring and is like, ew. (laughs) It's like, ew, what is that? Christy goes, do you have to wear it like to signify that you're taken? Like you're his property? And her mother goes, yes, actually. And also, I would appreciate if you would start calling me of Watson. No more mom. (laughs) It's of Watson now, just to be clear about where we stand. And so that was a fun Handmaid's Tale reference. And this is a funny episode. There's just a lot of funny moments. Yeah. They're mobilized texts. They're organizing principles again. Take to the streets. Christy reading the art of war and her weird pronunciation of Chinese words. We, you know, that is, that is very Christy. We love our problematic lesbian child but then what we do i do like about christy is that when they're talking about doing the responsible thing and like telling the truth to the parents um and talking about like telling everyone what's actually going on she does pause for a moment and ask 
Stacy and she's like if that's all right with you and I I appreciated that like just small moment of being like yes it is up to Stacy to tell like how much she wants to just like how much she wants people to know how much like what path to move forward and like the other girls will support her and like it's very distinctly shown and like her being able to tell her own narrative but the other girls being there supportively and like chiming in when it's necessary so I thought that was cool to kind of see it be more on her own terms, which is a different than how she takes it into her own hands for the doctor's appointments in New York, but similarly. Mm. Cool. And agency. Yeah. We love agency, but not the babysitter's agency. Exactly. Yeah, it's cute. That was, it's a cute Christy Stacy moment. Christy's mom also looks so proud in that scene. Yeah. Yeah, basically more disabled rep always and again, think that they updated it pretty well. How many bedazzled insulin pumps would you give this episode, Joy? Um, like an eight? I was going to say the same thing. Perfect. Finally, one joint rating. Wow. And then Kid Kit. We get introduced to the Kid Kits. They're very big. They're very big in this. That was another really funny Christy moment. She's like, Kid Kits. And they stare at her blankly. And she's like, oh my God, Christy, what's a Kid Kit? Well, I'm so <laughs> glad you asked. <laughs> oh christy she's like so done with her friends i love christy she also while she's talking about the kid kits at one point she says wouldn't it be so cool if claudia brought all her stuff whenever we came to play oh she says she says whenever like we get together to play i mean hang out exactly yeah Mm. which it's just one of those like little nods to the whole oh christy's more immature in the books and isn't growing up as fast as her friends and many thoughts about one particular scene in episode five that i'm very excited to get to We'll get to so that. There was when a we hint of boy it. crazy Stacy for uh, with Christie's brother, but we don't talk about that. No, and Thomas. Okay, so my Kid Kit recommendation is Little and Lion by Brandy Colbert. It is a book about a girl who is black. Her stepbrother is not, but. They have a really close relationship, but he gets diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And so it's their family dealing with that. It's her dealing with her sexuality, falling in love with the same girl her brother likes. And this is not spoilers because it's all in the overview that I'm looking at right now. (laughs) But I just think that it deals really well with disability and mental health and race and just sexuality and just like all these things. Um, I haven't read it in a little bit, but the author is really wonderful. She also has a book called it's called point i think which deals with ballet and eating disorders and abuse so her books are ya but they are also just i think really well written and we love ya with representation so that's where what i am recommending even though it's not a tv show i really have been going rogue with these wrecks <laughs> Um, what about you? My Kid Kit recommendation is actually going to be something that I thought of as I was talking this episode because confession time, I totally forgot to prepare a recommendation <laughs> for this episode. So as I was talking about how cool it could have been to see Stacey have a close relationship with a Black queer woman in the show, I thought of Little Fires Everywhere because ooh, I guess that kind of spoils one aspect of it. Slight spoiler. Sorry. It has 
has that dynamic of this white girl from a wealthy family finds kinship in a black woman who loves women and Mm -hmm. it's like one of the best most interesting parts of the show and I have a lot of feelings about it and I have a lot of feelings about the show in general because it's all about motherhood and I have a fraught relationship with motherhood (laughs) and all that jazz yeah it's so it's it's not really that related to (laughs) the babysitter's club or to the themes of this episode but I just thought of it because of that connection of that relationship and it's a drama it's on Hulu stars Reese Witherspoon Carrie Washington and yeah I just thought it was really good I would also highly recommend the book I haven't watched the show actually because I liked the book so much Mm. Um, it was really intense and it was hard to get through but I thought it was really well done it's by Celeste Ng I would be really interested to then know what your thoughts on the show are because I know that one of the biggest changes and this isn't like really a spoiler because it's obvious from the casting but the fact that one of the families is black in the show and in the book both of the main families are white and so there's the class element but not the race element and so the show very consciously decided are they both white in the book yeah Hmm. that's what i read in terms of like when i was reading articles discussing the difference between the show and the book i feel like in my head they weren't white (laughs) i mean that makes sense because that's i think basically what the writers were going for in terms of like this dynamic between these two families is yes class-based but also you could so easily imagine the racialization of that class conflict i think some thought it was done well in the show and then other reviewers thought that it was a little bit too obvious too on the nose Mm -hmm. too like oh my god evil white woman and good black woman type of thing which I don't fully agree with but yeah it's just it's interesting yeah for sure I think I also just and this is my own bias but the authorization and so I think that in my head the main one of the main characters that's racist and specified would be Asian then which is just kind of how I think I make assumptions but also one of the other main characters is Asian. Yeah. And that's a significant part of it. Yeah. Anyways, it is really good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I'll watch it and report back to you. I just... I'll read the book and report back to you. We'll swap. Hey. <laughs> um, and with that, I think that's the episode. This episode is brought to you by <laughs> listeners like you. <laughs> So please let us know what you think on our social media. You can follow us on Instagram at Great Idea Podcast, uh, on Twitter at Great Idea underscore Pod, on Facebook at Great Idea Podcast, and you can email us at podcast.greatidea at gmail.com and let us know what you think. Let us know what we should talk about. And we appreciate you. I appreciate you, Danny. I love you. I love you too, Joy. Stay gay, ladies. It's like that. Remember that post that I once sent you ages ago that was like, it's because Californians don't have winters. (laughs) <laughs> that they aren't like humbled by mother nature every year and that's why they're <laughs> like that we are literally burning <laughs> because of our hubris yeah it's almost like we should decolonize and everyone should leave true